You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another interesting episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. Very glad to be hanging out with you today. Thank you for spending a few minutes of your day with us. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to the show. Definitely looking forward to today's show. Uh, In fact, if you have been struggling a little bit with motivation, inspiration, you've been trying stuff, maybe it's not working. Maybe you need a leg up. Maybe you need a hack. Maybe there isn't a hack. Maybe hard work and the definition of tenacity are going to be something that you will learn the hard way. Uh, but I think today's show is going to be very, very interesting. I think it's going to be very thought-provoking as we discuss a struggle. Sometimes people don't like listening to struggles, Rob. No, and yet that's where we learn the most. Failure is where we learn the most. Now, some of, us, struggles. some of us get lucky. We fail first. <laughs> and often. And that was me. <laughs> well, that's a lot of us. Yeah. That's a lot of us. Um, but in the moment, right, uh, who was it? Was it, uh, oh, what was, uh, what was the guy's name? Was it Churchill who said um, how we bounce from failure to failure how without losing stamina is the true determinant of success? Like essentially saying like how we go from one hard point to another is really the determinant of uh of what what will make our success. I'm really butchering this quote, but... Well, I think the point is well taken, and it sort of boils down to what are you going to do with that failure? You're either going to... I mean, you know, we're talking sort of some old adages here and perhaps even some cliches, which become cliches for a reason, which is why I generally don't mind using cliches, because they are meaningful. Yeah. But yeah, no, you got to get back up on the horse is one of them, right? That kind of thing. And it's it's just so true. It's just so true. Although I will say there is a time where you have to realize maybe this gig isn't for you, right? For one reason or another, that's possible. And so you need to try something else. That's a thing, too. That is a thing. It is a very real thing, even though, um, you know, it's so funny that you say that because one of the things that my dad always taught me is, like, you know why people don't succeed? It's because they give up. And you have to look at failure as not an option. Yeah. And as soon as you do, that's when, you know, things really start start going, you know? It does. But I've also seen the flip side of that, right? Because, like, there were times where he also told me the day that you're ready to quit and give up is the exact day when most people would, and that's the exact reason why you're not going to give up and you're going to continue. But that was also in a failing company that ultimately did fail, you know? And uh, so I see both sides of the coin on that one. (laughs) Well, hey, full circle back to failure. (laughs) I mean, so what happened from there, right, I guess is the question. I learned a whole lot and now a part of a very successful company. Bada bing. So, yeah, no, it's a really uh, very good point, Rob. Bada bing, bada boom. Anyways, yeah, I, I'm excited to, to dig into this a little bit and hopefully we can help Billy out a bit. Yes, yes. Very, uh, very excited. This is going to be an interesting one, ladies and gentlemen, I promise. Uh, this is going to be like EO Fire podcast practically, except uh, we don't charge $700 for the question. But I digress. Uh, so um, anyway, today's show is brought to you by, well, just so you know, 
We've got some new trainings coming up. We finally filled up that calendar. Things are looking bright. The weather is beautiful down here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. While some of you might be listening to this, looking at gray clouds, you got the heat on in the car, you're sipping your nice warm coffee. Well, it's going to be 70 degrees today in Albuquerque. And uh, like most of the winter, yeah, it's cold in the morning, but it's hot in the afternoon. So yeah, pull up that fly. weather app. You're yeah. going to want to come see us. <laughs> That's right. We've got a lot of flight mastery classes uh, going on. We've got a lot of mapping classes going on. Uh, we move the experience training to March. If you're considering joining us for seven days of training, which includes flight mastery, mapping, advanced aerial videography, advanced photography, and business scaling systems along with a real world drone job. You got to check that out. Um, but also have to say grateful for the responses that we've been getting on the props program. A lot of people really liking that, that props educational platform that we have developed and built. We've been launching more and more programs on that. And the next program that we are launching, it's not quite ready yet. Uh, it's actually up, but there are changes that I want to make. So the delay will be a direct result of Paul's efforts. So I'm holding myself accountable here on the show. Uh, so I need to update that business scaling uh, or excuse me, props business system uh, for all of you, which here's here's the good news. Members get a sweet discount for this. I mean, it's an unbelievable discount for members because we want to reward the people who have supported us and we want you to take this class. But this class is only for serious drone pilots because this is going to fundamentally change every system in your business to automate all the things that you probably don't like doing. And in fact, a lot of complaints that I've seen from other businesses that are in the creative realm, in fact, Kara posted about this today. And it was another wedding videographer who was getting all these, uh, what is it called? Um, I want to call it whiny moments, but that's not right. Um, from clients? Constructive criticism from clients about how, and this was a different videographer, right? Not her, different person, that they weren't responding to emails. They didn't have good communication. They didn't have a good payment schedule. They weren't delivering on time. There weren't good expectations for when delivery was going to come. And literally Kara was posting about it and was saying, this is why I automated everything in my company because these things just don't exist anymore. Yeah. And it was just a perfect example of why you want to automate the entire client navigation from start to finish. Because one, you're going to look like a rock star. Two, everyone is going to feel like you did such a good job of just being like, Rob, don't worry, you're working with me. I've got you. Here's when you're going to get your stuff delivered. Here's how you can go print some, some, some prints of the beautiful photos that we took of you. If, if you're interested in that and uh, just want to keep you up to date on all the creative things, you might enjoy them as you see them come into your feed and let us know when you do. You know, it's these things that make us feel. Yeah, and all the tools are there for it. Yeah. And, and they're and, not expensive. No, and they're not. And it's one of these courses that honestly, whether you got a drone business or not, you're probably going to want to take this class. <laughs> Seriously, photography, videography, even technical deliverables. It really makes you wonder why more businesses do not automate the entire end-to-end -end client experience. Uh, and this is the way to do it. So you got to check it out. Props business. Hey, Paul. Hey, Rob. Billy here from Calgary, Alberta in Canada, up where in north. I've been a long-term follower of your both YouTube content and the podcast, so thanks, guys, for everything you do. I recently, just uh, in the summer, bought a DJI Mini 2 and launched a website to really sell drone uh, construction progress photos, 3D tours, roofing inspections, and real estate drone works. Um, I did this as a side gig while I work as a full-time mechanical engineer, so really not putting my 100% into that. 
but try to just test some waters. Um, I, I built a very beautiful website, did a lot of sample work and reports. I sent newsletters, did social media, and also tried to cold calling realtors and contractors, but none of this really worked. Very few said they're interested, but I really couldn't land a single job. So what am I doing wrong? Is the fact that I'm not 100% into this is my main problem. You know, can I, can I really keep this a side hustle and get business? If not, if so, like, what do I do? What am I missing? I really need some advice. And just, you know, imagine I'm 100% into this. What can I do to make it work? Uh, much appreciated and hope you can, guys can help me. Cheers. Oh, goodness, Billy. Thank you for the question. You know what I hear? Number one, you're obviously very bright. I mean, mechanical engineer and just the, the way you asked the question. I'm a very bright guy. So I think you're going to be fine. Um, the other thing that I notice is that you're clearly willing to do some work. And you are a go-getter because you have a real job. I shouldn't say it that way. You have what we'll call a day job and then a side hustle on, on the drone stuff. So you're willing to work. And so these are all really good things and good foundational things. But I think there are definitely some perspectives that might enlighten you a bit as to how to make a go of this. Well, I am uh, not going to play SJW and say, what's a real job, Rob? Uh, because I, I feel like that that doesn't help anything. But I did want to just poke the bear for a SJW, second. SJW, you can make me cuss. <laughs> That's the reaction that I wanted. So thank you. <laughs> but no, no, no. I know what you meant, too. And I know I know that you were not trying to. Uh, I don't even know what a real, real job is, but I know. Anyways, you can get me all riled up. Well, those well, three what, is, what is a real job? You could literally surf Wall Street bets during the day and get paid 200 grand by Goldman Sachs. That's a real job, right? Anyway, I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of a real job. I just wanted to uh, squash anyone who's going to be like, well, what's a real job? Well, there's a lot of real jobs. It's, it's not important. What is important, though, is focusing on what these guys' efforts are going to. And that's what yeah. you were trying to do, right? I mean, focusing yeah, on that he's putting in the work. He's he's, he's not, willing. He's a hard worker, clearly. Yeah, he's that, a doer. Yeah, and that he's got the capacity to do these things. But there seems to be a common theme, at least that I've noticed, Rob, in people who have worked in a steady, sustainable job environment. We're not, uh, and... They want to transition into the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're at retirement age. Maybe they are done listening to other people telling them what to do all the time, which, by the way, is not a bad thing. Some people thrive in that environment. That's a great motivation, if you ask me. <laughs> so there are a lot of days that I could use that structure myself. Okay, so let's just let's just nip that in the bud, like the uh, like the job thing. But that said, by the way, I brought all that up so that we wouldn't get any trolls or like, "What's a real job?" Ron oh no, no I got you. Yeah, yeah okay. whatever. Right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, that said, you know this this common theme that I see in I would say 40 to 55 year olds is that they get to this point where it's 20 years, they've hit their retirement and they're bored. They're intellectually bored. Mm. They want something new. They want to try something new. And I don't think the realism of the effort, the multi-year effort that it takes to build a book of business, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it, it's hard. It is not easy. Now, is it doable? Yeah, hundred percent. It's doable. And I think that there are some very key words that you said in your question that that will allow us to help you garnish some new jobs, which, by the way, Calgary is one of my favorite cities. I love that city. Yeah, I've never been. I would love to. There is a beautiful lake 
just west of the city that one of my friends has a house on. And it was like one of the greatest times I ever had. Like it, wow. it, it's, a, it's a nice place. And also the business environment is very different in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say actually it's a lot like New Mexico in that you've got these central hub cities and then vast distances of nothingness that account to lots of industrial production. You know what I mean? Interesting. But there's probably a lot going on up there, I would imagine, in terms of construction and real estate and opportunity. And I know a lot of high-end homes, right? Housing is very expensive, generally in the cities of of Canada. So Mm -hmm. there should be opportunity. Oh, I definitely think that there is opportunity. And, you know, just to kind of end the point about the theme, I think the theme is when people transition or migrate from their kosher, comfortable job, which, you know, a lot of people might push back on that and say, well, I work my ass off. It's not that comfortable. Uh, Yes and no. Uh, Yes, your job is hard, but you are not thinking about how the next dollar is going to come in and pay for your paycheck. That is a very, very different reality. And If you are working in a job where you don't have to think about that, you should be grateful every morning that you have a nice, easy stroll to work. And when some a-hole like me comes up behind you and says, get out of the way because every minute counts of my day. Just have some uh, some grace, okay? So, <laughs> well, but, I, well, yeah, I mean, every minute counts of his day as well. But I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying it's a very different perspective. It's it a very is, different outlook. It, it is a different perspective. And, and it does true. change as you evolve as an entrepreneur. Because I will say that there's this, like, in my eyes, and, and Rob, I want to hear your input on this, but it seems like it takes really three to five years to build up a book of business, to be consistent, you know? I think at least, uh, unless you go buy a book, like a lot of, for yeah. example, insurance agents, they'll go buy a book. That's not really a thing yet certainly not on any scale with the drone business i've seen it a couple times but i agree like i said rare um, scale it's not happening a lot whereas insurance businesses are being bought and sold every single day so yeah it's gonna take some time and it's gonna take you building trust with people a hundred percent and so let's talk about building trust rob i got a question for you if if uh let me see. Let me uh, let me think of an example here to try to be analogous to one of the issues I want to bring up. Let's go back to the mortgage business, right? You still have your mortgage broker's license, right? I do have it, yes. Okay, so if you were using a processor, right, and you know the processor, in fact, I know this issue has happened because I have witnessed it. If you had a processor who only worked part-time, And you had another processor who was a contractor and they did work full time. And because they worked full time, their end to end delivery time was shorter because they were working full time, meaning they had more eight hour nonstop days. Uh, They They, were were there when needed. Correct. Yeah. Would you prefer to work with someone who you knew was full time or whether you knew was part time? Yeah, all things being equal, full-time. Yeah, 100%. Would you argue that it might even be human nature that when someone tells you they work part-time, that you might be a little hesitant to work with them or establish a relationship with them? There's definitely that possibility, depending on what the need is, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, when we talked about this- I don't really want a part-time surgeon. Oh, geez. You know what? Actually, that brings up a really valuable point. 
in the MIT data analytics class that I just completed, showed you my, that I'm very proud of degree, or not degree, <laughs> but certificate that I got. As you should be. Uh, for that class, one of the things that we talked about was measuring and creating log uh, logistical regressions on the amount of downtime that pilots took, and this is airline pilots, and their propensity to have a runway incursion. Meaning that there was a logistical regression mm -hmm. for the increase in downtime correlates to the increase in uh, what issues. is it? in issues in in runway incursions. Mm -hmm. And I, I even texted Bill. I was like, "Dude, we prove with data the you know that if you're not flying all the time, you actually get worse." And he's like, "Great job, Paul. You proved the rusty pilot effect." <laughs> <You know? laughs> That was that was uh, crash inspection 101. Yeah, literally. He's like, I'm sure you would have learned that in the investigator class or something, you oh, know. That's funny. Uh, but I was like, well, thanks, Bill, for uh, for shitting on my for, progress. I appreciate for you for crushing my spirit today. Yeah. My parade has been rained on. Tomorrow's a new day. That's right. <laughs> but um, but it, it just goes to show too that if he's going out, let's get back to the caller. If he's getting out. And someone asked him the question, well, are you doing this full-time or are you doing it part-time? I would say, and I would love to have a data model on this, like if we were to take 300 people who were looking to hire someone and you knew that they were part-time, how many times out of 100 are they going to say no to that person just because they're part-time? Right? Yeah. Is the, the, just the knowing that you're part-time, how much does that equate to the hesitancy in hiring said person? Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. It'd be difficult to measure because so much of it is even subconscious. A hundred percent. So that would be challenging. And it probably doesn't. I doubt that people ask him that question. But my hunch is, for example, Billy, when you're doing things like, well, you said you haven't been able to get a lot of work, but when you're maybe talking about when you can do things, you might say, well, it needs to be weekends or evenings because of my day job. And it that's going to give people pause. Exactly. And yeah, that's, I'm sure that's a thing. And, and we don't know enough about your specific situation to know if that, how much of a role that plays, but it could certainly be somewhat part of it. It could. And I mean, I, I will just say I dealt with this. Myself. I, so a hundred percent. I have had, especially in construction, yeah. when I did a lot of those construction uh, association meetings and presentations and whatnot, it was a question that came up frequently. How often are you doing this? Yeah. And so I think, okay, so let's just stick to this particular issue and point right now. And, and the question becomes, what can he do about it? Because I don't think we're suggesting you quit your day job right now, right? So you can go full into the drone business. I think that is a fair assumption. I'm not. I'm not I don't either. know if he is. <laughs> no, no, I was. I'm definitely not. I don't think you are. My next point was fake it till you make it or faith it till you make it. But anyway, so go So maybe ahead. it's just be cognizant of that issue and do your very best to sort of keep it on the down low. Not lie to anybody. Obviously, if they do ask, you're up front with them. Just but be like the news. Law, you know, lie by omission. <laughs> That was supposed to be a joke, Rob. That, no, I know. I'm not saying that's one way to say it. But so one of the questions becomes, at least that I have in terms of sort of letting this play out is how much flexibility and freedom do you have? Because I think of Kevin. He has a day job. It's a very important day job. And he manages to stay pretty stinking busy with it. And he's like migrating out of his day job, right? I thought he was. Uh, in time. I think he's a little ways from retirement, though. Oh, okay. A few years anyway. Okay. So. But he is crushing it. He's crushing it. He's crushing it. But 
Anyway, so he even took a new member out to that Amazon job site. I know. That new one. Isn't that cool? That is a cool. That, now that's a community that I'm proud to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I love that he did that. That's that. That was Jason, and uh, I, yeah, Kevin's Kevin's a rock star. But anyway, so that's just one point, something to be aware of that um, perhaps you can make some tweaks to your language, for example, that that would kind of remove that as a potential issue. Yes, 100 percent. And, you know, a lot of people say you got to fake it till you make it, because in uh, our materialistic society, the question always comes up of, you know, what do you do? Who do you work for? Like a status question kind of thing. And it's one of those things that uh, you can have fun with and you don't have to lie and say, oh, I work for uh, MBS engineering, but I drone on the side. I would just be like, I'm chasing my dreams as I take flight in the skies. You know, like have fun with it. Make people think. You know, what's interesting about that is that and this is not anything about Billy specifically. It's about the mindset of the engineer type. Just what you just did is harder than you think for that that personality type. But you still have to do it. And so this is a very, very important point because a lot of engineers have weak social skills. As an as a average, median, kind of, you know, we pluck from the hey, sample data set, chances of it happening are about one in two. So. We're in Albuquerque with Sandia Labs, Los Alamos National Labs, so we speak from experience. <laughs> okay. So just trust us oh, on this man. one. I will, <laughs> I will never forget that, that meeting with that nuclear engineer at Sandia with Dave. I was just like, we live in two different worlds. Well, and, and I will say in terms of data in the mortgage company, we dealt with a lot of engineers from the labs. <laughs> What he said is true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bless their hearts. Some of my best friends are engineers, so. Uh, yeah, me, right? and me too. And actually, one of your friends, the uh, the the GPS dog collar guy, that's who I'm thinking oh, of Greg. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah Greg. Greg. But I feel like Greg does have those social skills, just so we're being clear. But yeah. Greg, if you hear this, I'm sorry you got brought up. But, uh, <laughs> but that said, um, one thing that I have seen a lot, too, that I want to hit on in this show is that these engineer types think, oh, I'm not social. Oh, I can't build relationships. This mm. probably isn't for me. That is horse caca. Okay? Anyone can accomplish anything with enough practice. Trust me. Trust me. I've done it. Uh, I have never been good at certain things that right now I'm very good at. And people, even Lisa, was like, how did you get good at this? 1500 episodes, babe, 1500 episodes. That's how I got good at it. Yeah. And so anything can happen with practice. And if you are an engineer type and you kind of struggle with those social, um, what would you even call them? Not euphemisms, but social constructs, social strategies maybe is the right way to put it. If you struggle with those things, they can be learned and they can be mastered in practice, okay? And something like every single day, how many engineers do I know that you know that go and get coffee every morning like a lot of other people, okay? You have to, you have to start really, really, really small with changing the way that you build relationships and the way that you socially strategize. And the way that you can do that is every morning if you go to Starbucks or Tim Hortons, you know, Tim Hortons, wherever you go for coffee, do something that scares you. And for me, for a long time, it was always complimenting whoever I I interacted with at Starbucks. Not in a weird way, like, oh man, I love that low-hanging shirt that you have on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Genuine, authentic compliments. Sometimes, and I've noticed this with a very specific group of people, sometimes just being slow and authentic to respond to someone to say, well, I appreciate you helping me. How, how's your day going? 
you know, and really ask someone how their damn day is going. And you would be stunned. You would be stunned at the response nine times out of 10. People would be like, oh, yeah, people always go, oh, hey, how are you doing? Cool. I want a triple espresso, you know? But hey, Rob, how, you know, how's your day going today? You have a lot of old people. Like, <clears throat> I watched an old person one time in front of me totally bash the person and Aww. I and like totally completely bash one of my favorite baristas. Hmm. And, I, cool. and I said, you know what I would have said to that person? And I know they can hear me right now. I would have said, you know, for someone who has such little time left in this world, you'd think you'd do more with it or you'd be more worried about how you treat people since you have so little time left. Ouch. You know? Yeah. Oh, the old person looked at me with the greatest death stare I've ever seen. And I looked right back at him and I said, I'd be worried if I were you because, I mean, who knows where you're going with how you treat people, you know? And like, oh, then I got the worried, scared look. And I was like, okay, point made. And you know what, though, is that I made the other, I made the barista's day by sticking up for him and saying, you can't, you can't treat people like that. That's wrong. And, and who are you really helping? Because at, the, at that time, you're making yourself feel better. But then in three weeks, they're going to remember you as the a-ho, you know? So, so the point being, conversate, step out of that comfort zone in all situations. You never know who you're going to meet. Start to develop relationships. Bingo. I mean, I've been in, you know, it's interesting you Thank bring you up for, Starbucks for because... Succinctly. <laughs> where it's particularly when it's busy, right? And you're standing there waiting. Well, I always do it 15 minutes in advance by mobile now, but anyways. Oh, oh, systems, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, I've been standing there and it still happens. And people have typically been the ones to come to me, not for any reason, they're just more outgoing. And they'll say, so what do you do today? What are you doing today? Like, what is your job kind of thing? There's just so many ways. And what if someone says, yeah, I don't really feel like talking. Like, okay. <laughs> right? Like, all Next. right. Well, hope you have a good one. Yeah. Hope something nice happens to you today, you know? Yeah. And even saying that might help. But yeah, I mean, getting out of that comfort zone in that box, I, cu I couldn't agree more. And yeah. You, and I agree with you. You have to learn how to deal with um, objections. Well, and, and clearly and rejection, because clearly you're not afraid of that because you've you've said that you've done some cold calling, which, man, you've got all the things in place. And so sometimes, and we've heard this a lot here at Drone U, where essentially your story, in fact, when you are successful, as you keep going, we'll have you on the show so mm, that you can tell like your that. story. I like that. Because I see that coming if you stick with it and you keep talking to people. Cold calling's tough. And cold calling is one of those things where, number one, you got to get to the right person. So that could be three or four or five people deep in the organization in the first place. Well, how do you get around that? Where it's, you, you try to do a warm call, which is by meeting somebody at Starbucks who happens to work for a construction company who specifically knows the person you should be talking to. So then it's still a little cool, but it's not completely cold. So there's just little things like that, that the talking to people and building relationships will ultimately be what what catapults you. And again, it makes me think of Kevin who through a couple of relationships, they weren't deep relationships. And I would argue that at the beginning, Kevin was kind of that perfect avatar for an engineer as well. Could be. Yeah. I mean, he was more, you know, HVAC engineering, but Although at the he's, same time. He's outgoing. He'll talk to a, God bless you, Kevin. He'll talk to anybody, including a wall. I was going to say, please don't say a tree stump. <laughs> No, I love that about him. I envy that about him. Um, no. Because he can have a conversation with anybody. And that is a learned skill. That yeah. is a learned skill. I know it seems like that might be hard for engineers, but that is a learned skill. Right. And, you know, when it comes to uh, this guy, when it comes to, uh, you know, cold calling and whatnot, 
I will say that there are a lot of people that I have met in the industry that I was very surprised that they enjoyed someone who spoke bluntly to the point, but was also caring and empathetic. Mm-hmm. And you can have that tactical empathy, which I, I don't even like the word tactical empathy anymore because it should be authentic empathy, you know? Um, I don't like it either, actually. But that said, when he is cold calling and he is doing these things, you know, there are going to be people who do like that you get to the point. And it's typically going to be uh, an executive uh, decision maker. It's typically going to be the person past the cold call that is actually going to enjoy the fact that you are an engineer, that you do speak to the point that you, you know, problem, solution, problem, solution kind of speak. But you are also going to have to learn to not be a people pleaser. That's not what I'm trying to say, but to be empathetic and step out of the box and be able to come up with creative solutions to questions. And sometimes that also takes practice. Like, you know, going back to what we were just talking about with objectives, he's going to have an objective for every call, every cold call. And he's also got to have an imagination. He's got to imagine that these cold calls go well. He's got to think about how they could go well. He's got to plan for that, right? As an engineer, he's got to actually plan for, okay, if I get these objections, how do I turn them into objectives? Because if someone actually objects, that actually means that there is a a, a point on their mind that if you can actually adequately answer that point, that person will go from a no to a yes. That person will go to, yeah, maybe we'll do a fun fly in a demo. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, you know... Absolutely. I, I honestly, I honestly love, uh, I call this the art of the hunt. You know, Trump has the art of the deal. I'm going to call it the art of the hunt mm-hmm. because uh, Trump's way is very, very brash New Yorker-ish, uh, which has kind of come under fire the last, I would say, few decades because empathy gets you a long way. And when people think that you genuinely care about them, or at least you're willing to hear and listen, you're going to get a lot further in these cold calls because it goes back to what Rob was saying, re relationships and it's got to be genuine and it's got to be authentic and i will say in the last year or two i have really sucked ass at this you know why it's because i've been on instagram all the time i'm constantly disappointed with the state of society i have too many like macro principle issues Mm -hmm. and so i've really disconnected i feel like a lot of people have disconnected totally yeah yeah but yeah i don't want to go down that rabbit trail because i'll get all weird but well i got weird i mean i'm not gonna get weird on the show but i got weird and my point is is that like it's okay to have those natural disconnecting feelings you've got to work through them you've got to have habits and that gets me to my next point which is if you're cold calling number one you've got to get away from essentially allowing people to know that this is part-time you've got to have flexibility um, but you also have to be tenacious this stuff is not going to happen overnight it's not going to happen in three months it's going to take six to 18 months to really get traction and it's going to take consistent effort and that's why i said it's hard sorry yeah and i think that to challenge you maybe a little bit um i might just say scrap the cold call thing you know it's interesting I hadn't thought about this until we were just talking, but so people think of cold calling as sort of a scary thing, generally speaking. Yes. Right. But you could actually get comfortable with it because it's actually a safe way for you to approach people. Like you're okay with the objections and the rejection, but you're not really putting yourself out there. Whereas, for example, start to talk to people that you know and try to draw from them someone they might know who can be a decision maker or know a decision maker that could help you get the job that you're looking for. 
So I don't know, maybe just tweak your whole approach away from cold calling towards taking somebody out for coffee. Sit and think about who you know that might be able to kind of give this a kickstart for you and approach it that way instead. Maybe show up at the front desk instead of calling. And I I don't know, because as I think about it, cold calls, um, while they can be intimidating at the same time, there's no face. It's they don't you'll probably never talk to them again. So there's actually not that much Mm. risk involved. Maybe take a little bit more risk. But I think we've said enough on that. I want to add, unless you have more. I just want to say one last thing because you just hit a really, 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 really powerful psychological point. Um, what, you know, the example of actually going into an office, which we don't know how it is in Canada. New Mexico is like the most freaking shut down state in the country right now. It's pathetic. But um, in other states, you can still go into the office and reach a receptionist. But here's my point. It's the psychological tactic that we're taught as can you help me? Any human innately wants to help you. It's about how you go about it on whether they're going to help you or not. So, for example, back to the example of Rob going in, receptionist, right? Go in with a set of cupcakes and say, you know, hi, um, I'm really hoping you can help me. Um, You know, I own a small business and I do construction progression jobs with drones And I really need your help on who can I talk to? Because whether it's a positive or a negative, I just need an answer. And I'm hoping that you can help me get that answer because I help other businesses. I'm hoping to help yours. I'm hoping to build a relationship. And if you can help me, I figure, you know what? I want to reward someone who helps me, you know, like reciprocity. I want to give you a cupcake. Mm. Can you help me? I just want to know who to talk to and the best way to try to talk with them so that I'm not annoying to them. I don't waste their time. My time's not wasted. You know, it's just like the best of all situations. So can you help me? Because I'm really looking for your help. I mean, this is, by the way, how I go about my airport stuff all the time. Just break it down. Man, I'm sorry that you're dealing with all these horrible people. Empathy. I'm hoping you can help me because I just, you know, I'm, I just don't know what to do. And, and, and I'm looking for some outs here. And I have a feeling that you have the power to do something cool. And, and I'm just hoping maybe you can do that for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just be respectful. And like you said, empathy is huge. Um, it also does. We've been talking a lot about the construction realm, but the same applies in the real estate realm. And so a couple points. Um, going and visiting there is a good way to do it. I remember... Um, can't remember his name in Phoenix. He did really well with real estate out there. Do you remember his name? We asked him to do a class for us. Uh, Anyways, it doesn't matter. I want to say his name was Jason too, but... um, It doesn't matter. The point is um, they have meetings. Steven. It was Steven. They have meetings where they'll allow you to come in. Maybe you take breakfast burritos. At least they do around here. I think it's pretty common. And you can pitch what it is that you can do for them. And you might even say the first two to take me up on my offer, I'm going to do it for 25 bucks, right? Or whatever. You can uh, kind of get the ball rolling that way. It's in, And in that case, you're getting in front of a bunch of people live. They can see you, like you. Not everybody will. That's okay. All you need is one or two to like you, right? And then the other thing I think about on the construction side is you don't necessarily have to get to like the vice president of whatever. I mean, we know we've got obviously large construction companies here in the Albuquerque area. And I've got some buddies and even just acquaintances that are leaders within that organization. And they might be three or four levels down. They're foremen essentially, 
but they have a budget on say a $50 million building. They could carve out 1500 of that for you to take and, and help them make, help them to look good. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be the upper echelon. It can be the people that are just running an individual job that have a pretty sizable budget, some of which is, I don't want to say slush, but available for ancillaries, unexpected things, right, that they might have room and they could use it for you. So you don't need to get to the top to make this happen. No, you don't. But you do need to understand the dollarized value of what your service provides and how it's going to help them. And if you cannot eloquently explain how it's going to help them make better decisions, save money or make money, don't even start. You can't or, start. Or just make them, yeah, that, that's a good way to look at it. But to make them look better because, for example, mm. they are going to be able to keep their boss more updated than their cohort can. And their boss is going to be like, wow, Bobby, why aren't you doing what Jimmy did? Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jimmy, why don't you take this next job? I'm exaggerating. But cool things can happen and you can help them make that happen. Well, that, again, goes into the psychology of a control freak. How do you get a control freak to do what you want them to do? You make them understand that doing what you want them to do is actually the best thing for them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's a very important yeah. psychological tactic. Yeah. I mean, you have to mean it. I mean, your, your why has to oh, be. Oh, authenticity is critical. Absolutely. 100%. Your, your why has to be because you truly do want to help these folks. Um, otherwise, you know, you might get a few jobs and even be successful, but I don't think you can build a real substantial business, or at least not one I'd want to be a part of. And I will say too, if you, I mean, you're still going to get no's in this process. It's not going to be all, you know, honky dory rainbows and unicorns, um, like on TikTok, but you might also learn people who you don't want to work with. Like, remember there was that guy here mm. in town who was like literally openly hitting on my wife, like as we were having meetings and I was just like, they were offering us a lot of money. And I was like, I do not want to do business with you guys. Like you are disgusting, like yeah. literally. Um, and they, they all thought they were cool, honky dory. And then literally like nine months later, they got investigated by the feds for something. I can't even remember what it was, yeah. um, but it was like a safety issue. And I've noticed this trend whenever you see egos, no matter the industry, you tend to get safety issues or errors as well. And so my point in saying this is that if you get no's, sometimes those no's can be a huge blessing. You might have just avoided a sure. catastrophe, you know? Yeah. So don't always think of no's as a bad thing. No. Also, a no could be the fastest way to get to the next yes. You've got to change your, your, your thinking and your perception of this. You've got to know that one – it's going to take consistent effort for long periods of time. And the way for that to work is habit. You've got to habitualize essentially what you're going to do to bring in business. You have got to build these systems to help you do it. These systems also have to be personable in order to create relationships that are going to gain you business. And I agree with Rob's one of first points, like we're not telling you to quit your job, but you definitely need to change the way that you're going about it, it seems like, in order to be more successful in getting those jobs. Yeah. You know, and also yeah. mining just north of Calgary is a huge mm. business. And I wonder how volumetric reporting would do there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So maybe learn an additional skill mapping. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a mapping class for you. Yeah. Well, we do. But that's not the point is to sell you on something here. The point, and I know that's not Rob's goal either, but I'm just making it clear. Um, but the point is that, again, you have got to be able to eloquently explain the value that you will provide 
why it's worth it to them in a dollarized value, why it's going to make them look good, make decisions quicker, keep you know projects on time. You've got to hit to the heart and soul. You've got to hit that emotional trigger where they're going to be like, yeah, that's right. Like, you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. And here's how we can go about solving that and limiting errors in the future, you know? So 100%. Okay. So last thing. I know we've gone long. I, I was, I was feeling the vibe from you. No, no, <laughs> so the mini two, I just want to touch on that briefly. Is that how much is that hurting or helping or what, what's, what's going on with that? So a long time ago, you, Josh Marriott and I had a conversation about public perception and we just had this conversation with John and Mike who are here filming the public safety course. Um, public perception is very real. I mean, there are all the times that I have gone on drone jobs and I just pull out the Inspire and throw it down on the ground and they're like, oh, hey, now that's a drone. Now that's how I know you're professional. You got a professional drone, right? And then I'll put it back. may or may not be true, but it doesn't matter. I'll put it back in the car and fly the Phantom. And half the time they're like, well, how come you didn't fly the big one? Well, the big one was just for perception. Just so you thought I was a professional. No, you wouldn't say that. I have said that to clients before. <laughs> you know how brash I am at times. This East we're Coast recomm- kid. We're not recommending does, that, though. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. No, you got to have an undying level of confidence to pull that off. And point, I don't. So. The point is perception is real. It is real. And I mean, this is also why there are a lot of YouTubers, uh, YouTubers who have even come after me, who have said that you can fly all these drones and be commercial. That may be true in a rare circumstance. But most of the time, you have two problems. One is public perception. Two is weather limitations. That aircraft can really not, uh, Calgary has pretty high extreme, high desert weather like we do. Uh, Lots of winds, uh, gets very cold. Um, That drone doesn't even have self-heating batteries. So you have to ask yourself a question. Right. Do I listen to the things on YouTube or do I think about how many days a year can I fly this drone? Because if I have to tell a client that, no, Rob, I can't fly that job. It's too windy or it's too cold. I just don't have a drone that can do it. How long does it take before your client says, well, you know what? Johnny says he can do it. Johnny says his battery's self-heat and he doesn't have a problem in the cold. Johnny says the wind's not a big deal. Why can't you do it? You know? And this is something that you have to think about. And and while I want to all the time too agree with a lot of these YouTubers and say, well, yeah, you can get jobs. You can, you know, do jobs with this. Can you do it perpetually? Probably not. Can you build a business on it? Uh, we're in a very different time in the drone industry now. It has matured. You cannot pull out what looks like a $200 drone and expect to have the professional rapport with clients. You, you just won't. You know, well, yeah, it's like, hey, I hired you to film my son's wedding, Rob, and I pull out a disposable camera. What are you going to think? Why am I paying you two grand? Mm-hmm. Well, Rob, I'm going to party tonight and I need 1900 for booze. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you can get started, but it, it's just going to be tougher. I mean, because I don't want to discourage somebody and say, you're going to have to go spend five grand to get everything that you need to to make a go of this, because that could be more discouraging. But I also want to be real. Um, and I don't I, think it takes five grand. I think two I grand. I just threw you're that good. number out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I just threw that number out there. But anyways, you could do a few jobs. I would imagine you. But it's. I guess the thing is with the mini two, it's probably going to be more difficult to get traction. I agree. Is a way to say it. I agree. 
So, And there are jobs for the many, too. In fact, what's really ironic about this entire conversation is we know someone who I've even mentioned is one of these stories <laughs> who uses a mini, too, in construction. But you want to know what they use it for? They use it for flying inside of an undone building mm-hmm. instead of sending a person in just to document things. Yeah, so, which there you go. Exactly. So, I mean, like, you know, if, if you were to someone, you go on a construction site and they're like, oh, you're going to photograph the construction site with this and be like, well, typically I use this to fly inside because it's kind of more disposable. You know, it's kind of cheaper. It's on the lower end. So if something happens, it's no big deal. And then that's when the perception gets flipped. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's right. I got you. I understand. Right. So it's all about perception. So I would say in kind of taking the question, which by the way, thank you for sending in the struggle question. I think it actually says a lot about you that you're not afraid to be vulnerable. And that's why I believe that you'll be successful. Um, And you have the work ethic too, which are two key pivotal points. That said, one, you can't you got to avoid talking about this being your part-time gig. I'm sorry, but that's that's it's gonna, it's hurting you. Uh, number two, the small drone might be hurting you as well. Yeah, you can do drone jobs. Don't get me wrong. But again, as soon as someone else can do it on a day that you can't, game over. Uh, as soon as you, can, you can't fly because of weather, game over. As soon as a competitor shows up with an Inspire 2 that can fly in 45-mile-an-hour winds and you can't, game over. Um you might have to invest more heavily to get a more robust aircraft, especially in Calgary. It gets very cold. You need something with self-heating batteries. Uh, And in construction, with oil and gas being so big where you are, uh, Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual Advance might be a phenomenal aircraft for you because it's got a great thermal sensor on it, you know? And and I don't want to say, oh, it's going to take you more money to get bigger. No, it won't. You can work astronomically hard to get drone jobs with these smaller micro drones. Okay. It's going to take more work. Uh, and it's going to take more of that, you building that social strategy and personalization and ability to speak with people and ability to be eloquent, uh, in order to overcome the small drone stuff. So which is all good stuff. So yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, Nick's part-time, you might need a bigger drone. I think Rob's point about referrals, working with people that you know, practicing talking about what you do, how it can offer value and whatnot is going to be critical for your success. Because if you don't believe in yourself and your product and what you can do and how it can help other people, no one will invest in you until you believe in yourself. That's just a fact. But I think also in getting that practice, you could also get referrals. You might say, oh, yeah, I know Chad. He works in uh, oil and gas, but he just does futures. But he might know someone who's in the oil infrastructure business who does pipeline inspections and you might be able to get a gig from, you know, you word of mouth is still by far the most powerful marketing engine on the planet. Yeah. You know, and that's also another great plug for this is why you should take props business because it systematizes that whole thing. So anyway, it's really important. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know it's a long one. I'm sorry, Rob, but no, no, I'm, I'm very I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate because honestly, this is a solvable problem. And I'll so reiterate the formula again. Stop talking about part time. You got to believe in yourself. Go after referrals. Uh, you've got to probably get a bigger drone. I'm sorry. But uh, even in your area, having a drone without self-heating batteries is going to hurt you in this more mature industry. 
And also it's going to take tenacious efforts. It's going to take habits. It's going to take months and months and months and months and months of work. And that's okay. That's how it normally goes. It's just knowing that and say, hey, this might take me a year to get going. Okay. And how hard you work at it. Well, the harder you work, the shorter the timeline. Um, and uh, and I will say you, you just cannot stop. I, it reminds me of one of my sales students um, who has a very, he's an engineer as well, has very similar mindset, very soft-spoken, very literal, very to the point. And, uh, you know, as much as I can't stand the media and how things are dressed up, we have become accustomed to it in one level or another. We like hearing things presented in a certain way because it makes us feel a certain way, which is the last revelation of this particular show. No one will help you. No one will give you a job. No one will invest in you unless they feel good about it. At the end of the day, we make decisions on how we feel. You got to make people feel good. That takes skill. It can be learned. You can do it. I'm done. I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, no, you're good. I, I could think... talk for three more hours on this crap. <laughs> so anyway, probably bore people to death, but anyway. No, it's good stuff. Hopefully it was helpful, Billy. Yeah. And uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you if you have follow-up questions or need clarification on anything, or if anyone else listening does, we'd, we'd be happy to address it. And also last hack to help you out. Make sure you sign up for as many drone jobbing industries as possible. Make sure you got a great website. Uh, are you doing long form content, short form content? Are you uh, as your SEO regionalized or localized? It's a really important point. Are you blogging uh, and building up the SEO to increase your backlinks, et cetera? Like building a nice, robust website. What does that look like? What does that mean? And when Google just changed the algo again this last June, it makes things more difficult. Uh, but that also means the people who are not staying on top of it gives you an opportunity to crush them. So anyway, that's it for us. I'm sorry. I just want to keep talking. I don't know where all this energy came from because two hours ago, I felt like I was going to fall back asleep. So thank you for listening. If you have a question, go to askdroneu.com. And if you want to automate a lot of these things so you can focus on getting more clients, getting more business, check out Props Business Program. It's propsflightschool.com or props.thedroneu.com. My name is Paul. I'm Rob. And I took too long. I'm sorry, but I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so, they did. <laughs> talk to you later. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.